Hello and welcome to The Leaderverse with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradin, and me, Jesse Button. Today, we're talking about chaos. And I don't know if y'all have noticed, but there's a little bit of it happening around us right now. So what can we do as leaders? Well, we can talk about it. Lucas has been digging deep on the topic and walks us through how to deal with it with excellent examples. And I hope you stick through to the end. Coach Drew has a three-step approach to how to win in the middle of chaos. Welcome to the Leaderverse. This is where I, I, I've been thinking a lot about and just developing a lot of thoughts and ideas. Would love to open up a conversation because as leader, I wish everything worked like it's written in the books. I wish everything would work like it was presented at a conference. And I wish everything would work like the blueprint that we lay out in a strategic planning meeting. But sure, shoot, and as soon as we start doing anything, unexpected changes occur. And I think like the three of us probably like change. It's just we don't, no one on this podcast ever has liked a change imposed upon them. And for me, I don't know about y'all, but it seems like when one thing goes wrong, it usually comes in ways of four and five. So something ha happened in business and then something happens in personal and then something happens with my money and then something happens with, you know, this friend. And then all of a sudden I've got an ingrown toenail. I mean, it's just like, it all happens. So here's the question I'd like to ask and just to open it up and have the real earthy conversation about it. How does the leader overcome in the middle of chaos, in the middle of, you know, and say, you know, I, I think of some of the lady leaders that are in my life. I mean, they wake up, they're throwing on makeup, getting kids ready. I have, you know, maybe a spouse or no spouse, but a spouse that's not as supportive in, you know, the child raising. It's just, and, and then they get to the office and they have a thousand things going on. It's like, I'm thinking of her. It's like, how in the world do we win and overcome in, in the middle of chaos because it's bound to happen. Or, you know, like we just, re, you know, just last Friday, we got the news that a bank collapsed, two banks collapsed, you know, which causes fear and panic in the middle of panic. I, I asked a group yesterday, Jesse, how do you handle chaos? They said, well, my problem is, is usually in the middle of chaos, I do stupid things and it creates more chaos. Mm. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we help people overcome in the middle of chaos? For me, immediately, I call Coach Drew Lee and Lucas. Well, that's all we do. And ladies and gentlemen, right? if you want Drew Lee's personal cell phone number, it, just kidding. <laughs> but remember, if you put Lucas Sheradin as your contact, he just doesn't respond to those texts. But he'll respond <laughs> to everybody else's texts. I'm serious. What do you call a seasoned coach? What do you call a coach in the middle of chaos? Well, first, when you're in chaos, usually you you feel it, but you haven't defined it yet. So like, you know, you feel horrible, you know, you're stressed out, you're crazy. Things are crumbling around you, but you haven't been able to articulate or identify really the problem yet. So 100%, I need a coach to, to just to, to identify the problem. Number one. What happens then though? I mean, you identify a problem to know a problem is it to solve it. You know, there's a Steve Jobs quote that I butcher all the time and it's, it's Let's something butcher like, away. Okay. Let's yeah. Butcher quotes here. Something like, um, once you have clearly identified the problem, the solution truly is right there, or at least becomes a little bit more clear. So for me, that's step one. I won't be able to see the full problem unless I have a professional coach to talk me through it. And I'm glad Drew answers and I, and your And I've got to write you a check to make sure, you know, you get credit for 
for the well, for the promotion and the advertising. I appreciate that. I'm just glad that you do respond to Jesse's texts. <laughs> not, it, so it is exclusively a Lucas Sheridan thing. <laughs> What do you what do you say, Coach? I'm serious. Like you, I I guarantee you've been on coaching calls when you pick up the phone, you get get on Zoom, and you see that person is full on tilted. They're yes. completely have lost it, and legitimately so. I mean, in some on some senses of the word, because everything's falling apart around them. They're they're yeah. changing a job. They're they're losing an income. They're losing team members. They have personal issues. They're how do you help somebody who's in the middle of that? Oh, that's such a great question. I sure I wish I knew. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, we're all human beings. We we go through our own ebbs and flows and challenges and trials and tribulations. And, and you know, one of the things to recognize is that we're, we're either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or often heading into a crisis. Right. You know, and yet there's this idea that you you reach a finish line in some ways. There's no finish line in this journey. It's that's why it's called a journey. You continue to go, and I think that's part of the that's part of the opportunity. Is when you're struggling, you got to keep going. Yeah. When and, and oftentimes, when all the evidence says stop, this path, this direction that you've chosen, it's fraught with peril. You should stop. You should retreat. You should consider go back, and and achievements on the other side. You've got to keep going. And especially the people around you, they need you to keep going. And that's one of the hardest things is you've got so much evidence. You're tired. You're stressed. You're challenged. You're exhausted. Um, and you look around and you tend to see all of the reasons that further why you should stop, why you should quit. Yeah, I, I find out for me, like depression thrives in inactivity. Mm. Regret gets amplified in inactivity. Anxiety thrives in inactivity. I mean, uh, everything that I don't like, every emotional state I don't like actually compounds as I sit around and think or as I sit around. Now, I'm, I'm totally all for being still and meditation and getting quiet. However, if I spend days and weeks in that state, I'm just telling you, for me, depression grows there and anxiety grows there. And the small story I just made up about Drew not responding to text, if I sit in that, and we're having fun with that, but if yeah. I sit in that and I think about it and I do nothing about it, all of a sudden I've got this huge full feature motion picture in my head about how evil Drew is because bad stories grow worse in the middle of inactivity. And so I, Drew, I think you're spot on is like, I have to go do something about it. it. It's and I'd rather have in chaos in my world. I'd rather have imperfect action than perfect inaction. I had a coach tell me, tell me once I was probably in crisis. I'm sure I was that number one, there's a difference between meditating on something and ruminating on it. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, what I was doing was ruminating, but what they said was, truly a mindset flip for me. It's that you don't actually need to have regulated emotions in order to take action on the scary thing. You don't, you can't, another way to say that is you can do it scared. You can do it scared you because you're scared anyway. You're anxious yeah. to hell. Um, your option, like what does quitting really look like? Well, it looks like going back to bed. 
That's what yep. it, that's what it looks like. That's what would happen. You would, if you quit, you're going to go back to bed. And there's only so many days that you could do that in a row until you don't have a bed anymore. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you're going to have a bed. It just may be tremendously harder and look like a park bench somewhere. I've just been thinking about this an awful lot because I'm, and I don't know, it seems to happen in ways for me. I'm watching a lot of people who are leaders and it's interesting, the assumption that leaders always know best leaders always know the right thing to do. And I could think there was a movie, it was about a submarine captain and the captain, I think the original captain died or something happened. And so his first mate took over and his first mate went to all the guys like, I don't know what to do, which is a true authentic thing. But his his, you know, first officer pulled him aside. Skipper always knows what to do. Skipper always knows the answer. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I kind of think we live in that culture where I can feel the chaos and the pressure and I'm still expected to know what to do. I'm expected to know what the next steps are. And I've just been thinking, how, how do we help leaders? Not just get through chaos, but like really overcome because I had the thought last night that chaos is actually my opportunity. Chaos is actually our our open door to something amazing on the other side of that magic door. It's so navigating that inlet of transition navigating the door is really key. I think. Chaos is a, a, a signal or a symbol that something huge is coming in. And the chaos is in making the space for the huge thing to come in. Yes. Good or bad, chaos is challenge attempt. It, chaos is change attempting to happen. Yeah. I'll say that again. Chaos is change attempting to happen. And, you know, let's face it. The human condition is uncomfortable with change. Oh, yeah. We resist it. You know, we're still walking around. We like to think we're these really advanced, you know, individuals and this advanced creature. So we're walking around with a with a limbic system in our brain and an amygdala that says, you know, we're we're, we're like a couple degrees away from a squirrel. You know, we hear a twig snap and we make one, you know, we we head as fast as we can running up the tree. And and that's what when chaos is occurring, the brain's always looking for what's wrong, what could hurt you, what could harm you, how do we prepare, how do we, how do we insulate ourselves from the chaos and the thing that's creating the stress. I, I, that's also, in many ways, why when you're in a really, really great place in your life, if you've ever been in that great place, you're like, why can't I just enjoy the calm? Everything is wonderful yeah. in my yeah. life. If I do an entire inventory of all the things I have to be grateful for, why am I anxious? What am I afraid of? Things are really, really good. I've got a great relationship. I'm financially set. My life is good. My health is good. Everything is wonderful. Why am I not wonderful? Because well, you've still got a mind that says something's missing. What's wrong? What, mm-hmm. what do we need to be on the lookout for? Danger, danger, danger. And when we're in crisis, that sense is hyper sensitive. It's hyper aware. It's it's firing on all cylinders. And one thing to remember, though, is difficulty and challenge only makes your story better. That's right. How many of you have ever read a story from start to finish that nothing ever happened? <laughs> right? There was no challenge. Nobody would read the book. Right. Once upon a time, I woke up in a wonderful state and everything was great. The next day got even better, followed by the third day better. And about five pages, you're like, okay, look, I'm just going to flip through. 
And if all you saw every page for 300 pages, and surprisingly enough, on page 150, things got even better. <laughs> yeah. It'd be the most boring story ever written. Yeah. Yeah. About page 180, the, the author well, would say, I cannot believe you're still reading this. Yeah. Well, I, I think about what you just said, I, I, studying the brain a little bit, like I know you all have, um, our brain exists for one reason, is to survive, is to protect us from danger. So whenever chaos ensues, our brain does its most natural thing is how do we get out of it? How do we avoid it? And what I want to think is how do we use it as a stepping stone? How do we, instead of a stumbling block, how do we use it as a stepping stone to our next level, to our next you know, point of greatness. And I love that, that every great story, every, every business leader, every hero, every heroine, every woman who's succeeded. It's, I just got done reading uh, Jamie Kern Lima's book, uh, It, Believe It. And amazing story. I mean, I hats off to her, but the stuff that she faced in the cosmetology world was just awful. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not going to sell much of this because people won't buy cosmetics from somebody who looks like you. You're too overweight. You're too this. Like, oh my gosh, somebody actually said that with their mouth? <laughs> Out loud? Out loud? But she she kind of stood up in the light of the whole you know industry and said, we got to change the idea of beauty. That makes an interesting story because she bucked the norm. Mm-hmm. And I think we need more people to buck the norm. You're telling this story about the skipper or the, and the first mate. Yeah. I think that's, that's number one old leadership rule that needs to die, which is the never let them see you sweat. I think after I got with my coach, I believe that I would need to rally the troops, right? Like I need to know who's on my team, who's supporting me and in what way. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody succeeds alone. And that's probably what I would lead my team meeting with. Like, Hey guys, we're obviously in crisis mode. What I'm doing today is rallying the troops. What I need to know is, do you want to win? And what are your thoughts on how? And let your, let your team be the leaders that you hired. Let your team be the the step up for you. But yeah, they're, they're, we're going back to a vulnerability moment. We have to uh, we have to cry in front of them a little bit. I think we have to be okay with letting them see us sweat because we need their help. <laughs> well, you look at some of the most devastating financial crisis events that have happened, including the the banking collapse um, this last you know this last week, and that word vulnerability. It's so funny you said it out loud as I wrote. I was writing it down is, you know, there's this old adage that the skipper's always supposed to have this answer. And yet you see a growing trend in leadership of be willing to be vulnerable because vulnerable breaks down the barrier of we're going to get out of this. We're going to get out of this together. I don't have all the answers. I'm struggling myself. I'm struggling as a leader. I'm struggling. Our organization is struggling. And you go back to major collapses in business all the way up until the end. In many cases, there was there was even deception of things are gonna be fine, things are gonna be fine. I'm clearing out my Enron. Debt. I'm saying this. Enron. I'm on a conference call packing my crap up, uh, you know, and, and I've got my stockbroker on the other line saying, sell, sell, sell it all. But hey team, we're gonna be good. We're gonna be good. You guys just keep working. And 
the next day, it's, I mean, the writing was already on the wall. And if they had been willing to be vulnerable early on, perhaps there are things that would have come out of that. Mm -hmm. Ideas, a new leader stepping up saying, I don't know if I have an answer. Here's a perhaps a solution. Here are some things we can we can arguably do. We could be transparent. We could be vulnerable. So in the midst of that, how important do you think it is for a leader to clearly identify what winning is to get through chaos? I think that goes back to vision. I think what all, all your people are going to need and they always need from you, a number one is, is clear vision. We need to know, all right, we know, Lucas, you don't have all the answers. We get that. We understand that you're in crisis. We thank you for being Why'd vulnerable Why'd you pick on with me us. with that, Jesse? Why'd you point me out, not Drew? <laughs> <Don't> you're, <laughs> you're our crisis leader example. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Thanks for being vulnerable, Lucas. Thanks for including me as part of your team. Now I know what's going on and, I, and I'm a problem solver and I want to help. Cast a vision for me, dog. You don't have to know all the answers. It's okay. But tell me where we're going and let me help you figure out the how. Yeah, that's that's such a huge point to know what winning looks like or where there's any wins along the way so you can stay encouraged. Encouragement where when chaos is happening all around you, one of those questions is how do you stay encouraged? How do you surround yourself or who are you surrounding yourself with that's encouraging versus discouraging? One of Tom Rath's book, I think it was How Full Is Your Bucket, said all conversations are either encouraging or discouraging. And it's the, the person on the receiving end that gets to decide. I know you can do better. Could come across as encouraging or discouraging. It just depends on your audience and depends on their state and their energetic state at the moment. Wow. So how do we encourage more? Point. I think during crisis, you have to be far more encouraging, even if that's not your general nature. If you have to put it on, if you have to find wins, if you have to find the smallest measurable victory in some way and use that as, as a benchmark of way to go. Yeah. We got hung up on a hundred times this week. Awesome. That means we made a hundred calls at least. Yeah. Gotta find ways to, to spark that we're doing something. We're not just sitting around waiting for the collapse. I heard a leader once <clears throat> publicly encourage encourage someone, which was perfect for their personality style. This was great leadership on their part. They had gotten beat up probably on a call night the night before. This was a team and a real estate team in one of our offices. Um, and they said, you know, so and so got hung up on you know, a thousand times yesterday there and they thought their script was terrible and they were in their head the whole time. And she showed up today with a smile. Congratulations, ma'am. You are a 100% a winner. You know what I mean? Like that's a, I, I get chills thinking about that. That's just such excellent leadership. And that's an, that's encouraging. Yeah. That's encouraging. I would I move that. on with that encouragement. I, I love that role. The, the thought drew there of in the middle of chaos, great leaders really lean into encouraging and highlighting activity. I love that, Jesse, that example of highlighting. 
you highlighted somebody just showing up and smiling, knowing that full well they got their tail handed to them the day before. I think great leaders in chaos are always finding where's the silver lining? Where's the, where, what is it that we could celebrate? I, I heard of one guy that went into like one, one of the worst offices in uh, real estate offices in his area and began on a month. Everybody's morale was so terrible and it was just such low energy and it was a losing uh, organization. And he began to every month pick one thing he could highlight that they were doing really well. And, and, and just one thing, and, and it usually it revolved around some sort of statistic. He found that one statistic, even though they were, you know, number 150 out of 150 offices, he found the one we increased from last month's sales by 15%. You guys are amazing. We're still the last place. However, he found that one thing to highlight. And it's interesting because fast forward that about 10 years, he became the number one franchise in his company by highlighting what's the one thing we could talk about. Any idiot could fault the problems and any fool could tell me in the middle of chaos what's wrong and everybody's it seems like in the middle of chaos i don't know if it's true for you in the middle of chaos people that have a contrary vision to your vision as a leader will show up and they want to hijack the vision well you should have you know maybe we shouldn't go for being the best maybe number two is okay <laughs> or well you know what you're all about the numbers dude you just talk you know it's like all this nonsense that comes out and I think chaos is a great opportunity to see, are there any vision hijackers in your company? Because two visions is division mm -hmm. and a house divided against itself can't stand. And so I, I think that that's part of the gift of, of, of chaos is I'm really committed to what winning looks like for me. And I want to ferret out any division that may be in my company that has gone uh, subterranean on me. Well, encouragement in spite of all the reasons to be discouraged is what equals resilience. Yeah. That's the well and said. in these times, that's what really happens is we're tested. I mean, let's face it. When we're winning, we celebrate. We pop the cork. You know, we toast. There's you the alcohol again. We knew the alcohol stuff. alcohol <laughs> reference would come up, Drew. At some point, you two would bring up to this Baptist pastor. Sparkling cider, you know, pops. <laughs> they have corks too. So, you know, you can have some sparkling grape juice and pop a cork and, you know, and celebrate with your team. But, you know, when, when, it, when times are great, you tend to see that. You tend to see celebration after celebration, top awards. I was awarded this. We did that. We did this as a team. And when we're winning, we often celebrate. And the struggle with that is when we're winning, we're not questioning. When we're in chaos, when we're in crisis, when we feel like we're losing or we are losing, that's when we question. That's when learning opportunities actually occur. What are we doing? What could we do? And the key is that you move forward you don't go back and attempt to unwind or unravel the past. The other part is gratitude. Author John Gordon, the author most famous for the energy bus, and he's written Power of Positive Leadership and Power of Positive Teams. He said that, you know, practicing gratitude is how you practice your resilience muscle. Because we got to take an inventory of, all right, when everything feels like it's going to crap, everything is not going to crap. And we all know this. Logically, we know this, that emotionally we get on tilt. So how do you take an inventory of, okay, name one thing that's actually going well. You have breath in your lungs. You're still standing upright. 
If you're inside, you must either have a home, have an apartment, have an office building. You have a you have somewhere to go. You have safety. Can you still go? And this is what I love about you know our country is there's so much to be grateful for. Yeah, like a third of the world's population can't just go to a sink, turn it on, and have drinkable water. And we take it for granted every single day. So there's always something to be grateful for, no matter how chaotic, challenging, or how bad the crisis may feel at that moment. I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time with you guys doing your 75 hard. I've seen the 75 hard water bottles everywhere. I think about right in the middle that stat all the time that a third, a third of us is that 2.5 billion people don't have a sink. You're doing okay. We're pretty good. We we live indoors and everything. That's a, that's a bit of a challenge because comparative thinking is part of our problem Mm. and it's part of our solution. So comparative thinking, I've got running water. Yay. I'm really doing okay. I'm probably in the top 1% of the wealth of the entire world. Yay. We're doing okay. But then I look at social media and I start comparing myself to somebody else's highlight reel uh, on social media. And that now I'm challenged. Right. And so I think, I think that that's kind so of a double something sword. Once again, your mind's looking for something that's missing. That's you right. see something out that the Joneses have, especially in a business comparison or life comparison. And again, social media just shows the highlight reels. It only yeah. shows what people want to share. And now you've been exposed to something you didn't know you were lacking. You didn't know was missing, but your brain's fired and said, hey, look at that. Here, yep. Here's something I said, actually, I said this to a coaching client last week. I said, if you ever stop to consider where you are and what you've achieved is somebody else's highest expectation or goal in Boy, their that's life. That's so good. Yeah, so good. I guess comparative thinking helps us sometimes. I mean, and then there's other times when it just cripples us. You're in gratitude. It's very helpful when you're in comparison. It's very hurtful. Comparison's the thief of all joy. Mm-hmm. So this 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 person, their their net worth's well over a million dollars. They're in the upper one percent of income earners. They have a great family, great relationship. They own multiple investment properties, and and they're talking in a conversation about what's missing. What's lacking? Where they're not? It's not going fast enough. They're not succeeding quick enough. They want to get to this destination, and and there's an ongoing stress and a, and you can tell high anxiety and energy, and that's what paused the conversation. Of can you just imagine? There are so many people out there that says, if I could just own a home, you own twenty. If I could, if I could have a net worth that's in the positive. And yours is in seven figures. You're you're just at a pinnacle and a destination that so many are striving, and they're at the lower rungs in the mountain climbing to see just to see if they can reach your existing heights. I I think the human brain we were talking about this before is always going to do that. We're meaning making machines. So when your high net worth <clears throat> client is he's still feeling stressful emotions as the human body will always feel. And so our brain is trying to just figure out why. You can do better. You can do more. One more, one more. Yeah. Mm. I want to, I want to wrap on this to go back to Lucas's question though. And this is a, this is actually a technique I learned from Tony Robbins. So full credit. Uh, When, when someone calls and you can tell they're in crisis and and we do this to ourselves and uh, you can absolutely hear the element 
step number one is slow down and listen to what's happening. So write this down. What is happening? What's actually happening? So see things as they are, not worse than they are. What I mean by that is we use words to magnify the issue. We use words to magnify the intensity or the significance of the issue. See something as it is. I have never met a person, by the way, that's drowning in paperwork. They've, they've drained the water out of their pool. They filled it with paper. They literally are taking paper into their lungs and they are drowning in paperwork. I've yet to see that actually happening. In business, we often use the words, and, and I'm sure it like just absolutely offends every firefighter in the country. Every time they hear a business person saying, I'm putting out fires. Really? Do you have an extinguisher? Are, are you actually, is there a chance that you're going to get burned? Should we call 911 or the paramedics on the way? But we use these words to intensify the significance of our issue. See it for what it is. There's a lot of things happening around me. Business is a challenge. I'm dealing with difficult customers. That's what's happening. You're not putting out a fire. You're dealing with a challenging customer. That's step number one. See, saying, see something as it is, not worse than it is. Number two is how do you want things to appear? How do you want things to be? What are the solutions and where would you want to be? So you see things as they are, not worse than they are. You picture them as you'd like them to be. And then number three is what are some choices that would move us that direction? However small or giant, what's progress or movement forward? So for anyone listening, think about the most chaotic challenge that you're currently experiencing and logicalize it for a second. That's a word. But take a moment, get really, really logical and say, okay, what's actually happening? Frame it. Here's what's actually happening. Maybe my spouse woke up this morning and said, I don't know if I want to be your spouse anymore. Okay, that's what's happening. My life isn't falling apart. This job's not killing me. My spouse woke up and said, I don't know if I want to be married with you anymore. Okay, that's what's happening. What do I want to happen? How do I want things to be? And then can I take steps to make them that way? So good. Yeah, so tactical too. It's just in the middle of chaos, three steps to always take a breath. And Drew, I think like your first your first point is what Jesse led with. Sometimes I am so tilted and so in the middle of my story that I can't see any other possibility. And I have to have the professional. I need to have somebody who can say, whoa, wait, wait a second. All that happened was they said this. That's all that happened. Don't make it worse. Don't make it any bigger. That's all that happened. Now, how do you want things to be? And what can you do to move you toward that? That is so powerful. That's so tactical. Well, consideration with bringing in a third party is when you're at sea level, all you see is sea. Yeah, that's true. So think about if you've ever been in a big body of water, you're maybe perhaps at a lake or you're swimming in the ocean. And when you're at sea level, you look around 360 degrees. All you see is the sea. Yeah. You don't see horizon. You don't see land. You could swim in any direction and arguably be wrong and heading the wrong way because you don't see anything. You have no perspective. Yeah. And if you've ever seen the, the horizon or you've stood on a boat and you look around, you see, oh, the land's that way. You're only two to three feet higher than you were when you were in the ocean. But that yeah. little bit gave you enough perspective and said, we should go that way. 
I see water everywhere else, but I see land if we head that direction. Let's go that way. Love it. How okay. to handle? Yeah, how to handle chaos? How to overcome chaos? Great job. I love that. Love the conversation. <laughs>